0: Trying to hit the high note there, baby. Yeah! Good Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to Calling All Beings. I'm back from my vacay home in New York in the Hudson Valley, Montrose, New York, where I'm from. And excited to be home with my fam here because it doesn't matter where I am, I'm going to miss you guys and miss talking about the topic. You know, a couple little texts came through. And by the way, uh, even uh, Ash did uh, a couple of British imitations for my uh, my host there, Jill. So uh, it was nice. really cool to to make, get my two worlds together. Uh, I'm your host DJ, and with me is the executive producer, uh, the technical director, the co-conspirator in fun, interesting, and positive talk of all the phenomenon. My man,
1: money, Nathan. What's going on? Good to be with all of you. Happy Wednesday. Uh, it's August. I don't even know what month it is, guys. I don't know. Yeah, it is
0: August. Where yes. we are
1: in the year. Uh, I feel like it's already next year. I, I just am having a hard time. My kids are going back to school soon. Things are a little bit everywhere at the moment. But it's great to be here with you all tonight. Looking forward to this conversation. It's going to be a good one. And while you're rolling in your 6-4, rolling in the Rivian,
0: baby. The <laughs> suvo double uh, <laughs> Next up next up um I did get to keep in touch with this young lady here because she's been doing a lot of work for the show uh and getting us guests she got us hooked up with homegirl my uh uh military aviation homie Alex Dietrich so uh we'll see uh when we I think I think we threw a date at her so uh might might get that book but uh she is none other than the co-conspirator in Uap med as well as cab the host of Deb's data dojo at a study of Uap's what's up baltimore homegirl i am newly obsessed with
2: vr so i was like can we do Streamyard inside vr and then i also got a game by the way where it's vr within vr so if we're in a
0: simulation it's triple simulation that sounds like something for you nathan and exo man get up on that yep. nathan.
1: <laughs> yeah i'm there i'm all over it sounds good
0: like gravy on rice all right uh i got to talk to this other gentleman today uh the host of bigfoot crossroads and he's a little disappointed that there's not a lot going on but he is going to try to hook us up with um a couple of badass girls from san antonio that investigate uh the paranormal and he'll tell us our name he is of course the man 20 years in this joint Uh, the Bigfoot world, and now he's part of Cab and getting into UFOs. Matt Knapp, how you doing, brother?
3: All right, man. I feel like it's, like, 1988. I got Yeah, like three blocks away, uh, while we'll be doing this show, there is going to be Def Leppard, Motley Crue, and Alice Cooper performing.
0: What? What?
3: Yeah, huge concert.
0: Alice Cooper? Yeah. Wow. Wow, Man. Crazy. I'd like I'd like to break off a few bars of I'm 18 right now from that (laughs) video that was from the 70s. (laughs) That is awesome, man. Good news. Somebody's going to be having fun tonight. Um, About 30,000 people, I think. Wow. We're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 So thank you, Matt. Bienvenidos. And let me know, what's the name of that paranormal team we're going to try to get? Uh, I believe it's Ghoul Gals. The uh, Ghoul Gals, yes. Yeah. The, ghoul Gals. Tell me, every every host on here right now doesn't want to interview them. Um, I'm Intrigued. Rob's, uh, you guys met Robert Dominguez, uh, Matt's friend. He said these girls are fearless. They are. Fe- they don't care if there's a demon in the house. They're like, I'm going in. So yes, <laughs> we want to talk to these these ladies. Um, Braver than I. Braver than I. Yeah, yes, impressive. and I, and I, and and as as Deb found out, her also. So. <laughs> True story. <laughs> All right. Um, so we, we, we um, you know, when I was thinking of who to, to bring on uh, as, a, as a guest host, because Leah's taking a break for a while, Leah Prime. Frank is deep into the business. For Frank not to be talking UAPs like now is just unbelievable. So that tells you what he's got going on with his new career. Um, so I said, ooh, who would be perfect for Kelly Chase? Who would be a homie? And I'm like, man, the host of Meredith for Real my homie from Pensacola. Can I get it? Amen. Amen. For M- Meredith back with Edwards.
1: Woo. No, I think I'm... Meredith is having some technical issues. so she's Are you? She's oh, here, man. but off audio. She'll be here. Don't worry. I know she'll be back.
0: She will be I... here. And her hair looks better than mine tonight. I know that's probably going to come as a surprise to some of you. Uh, but uh... I just want to
2: say I can offer audio services for people who lose their mic during the show. You can charge.
1: That's impressive. I can. I can read how, it, how does it work? out loud. i like just... okay. That's yeah. There you go. I like that. Like right yeah.
2: now, she's gonna come back. I've just read it.
0: Excellent. Awesome. Okay, we'll get we'll get her back in here, and um, and we'll bring on the guest of honor, and then we'll we'll come back to uh, to uh, Meredith. But um, this young lady is out of uh Ohio, a uh, place that I've lived and loved, um, and she has. Uh, been asked to speak at um, at at events and so forth. Uh, she is an author. She's a respected member of the community, a great intellect who can, um, you know, really just just write out a show and then present that show flawlessly. Uh, and someone for whom I have uh, great respect. So, party people, put those hands together for my home girl from the UFO rabbit hole. The author. And broadcaster put them together for Kelly. Chase, can I get a hit? <laughs> amen. Amen. Yes Hi, amen. Friends. welcome.
4: Everyone should get a DJ introduction at least once in their life. It's an experience right? that you shouldn't be missed.
1: We're trying to clone <laughs> him it's uh, it's a long process but I'm, I'm hopeful.
0: ExO according to Exo Academia, he says this is possible. Yeah. my question to him, my follow-up was going to be why would anybody want to? Mm. They'd rather do the two goats or two sheep, but if EXO says it's going to happen, um, we're all get ready, because after I'm gone, there's going to be another one. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, our special guest host is having some issues. Um, it's terrible when you have audio issues when you're about to do a show. It's just, you know, it's so irritating. But, um, you know, we went 30 minutes on our last episode before the guest of honor showed. Uh, Kelly, we had filmmaker Doug Hychick. Uh, who did Bigfoot ah. Legend Meet Science in 2003, and he's doing one in 2023, uh, which reminds me we've got to add. He, okay, Kelly, he he took a guy named Adam, a very brave soul, and they drove him. Matt, was it is it in Minnesota or is it in Canada? Because he said it was a I long way from.
3: Yeah, I think it's real close to Canada.
0: To Canada in, in <laughs> yeah. Minnesota. I mean, he has nothing but a satellite phone, 30 days in the woods alone with 27 cameras put out. And he said he heard next to his tent. Mm, mm,
4: mm. Oh, no. You know that guy? <laughs> <laughs> my soul just would leave my body. <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm <telling> bye. You. <laughs> just bye. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Because in our mind, Kelly, we're going, I'm going to say, yo, Bigfoot, is that you? What's up? But in reality, what's going to happen is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sharing it And not saying a word. I hope he goes away. I hope he goes away. So, yeah, this happened with Adam. So I got to check in on ask Doug how Adam's doing up there. Hopefully he's still with us. Um, literally. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, it is an honor and pleasure to uh, have you on, ma'am. And um, one of the questions that I wanted to ask, because it's so interesting to get to know uh, our friends in the community better. I had the pleasure of meeting you in New York last year, December. At uh, James and Jay's event, and um, without uh, giving the doxers, you know, direct roadmap to your house, um, who is Kelly Chase?
4: Oh gosh, um, you know, I'm just Kelly from Ohio. If we're being real, um, I am somebody. <laughs> I spent a lot of time um, building a career in marketing, and UFOs came along and took all that away. I decided I didn't care about that anymore. Um, I don't know, I'm a pretty normal person. I think that's actually something that I kind of bring to the table is I really am just Kelly from Ohio. Um, I spent a few years traveling the world with a friend. I've had some fun adventures, but you know I grew up in Ohio. most of my family and friends are here. Most of the friends that I have are people that I've been friends with since I was literally a child. and yeah, I've just... You know, I don't There's not that much exciting to say about me, but I think that you know, I try to just bring the realness and my relatable self to my work, and you know, I'm not too fancy, as they say.
0: <laughs> well, I think we could reinvent that song for you. I'm just Jenny from the block, and we can. I'm just Kelly from Ohio. And we could just change up the lyrics a little it blows bit. was right out the tongue. It
4: I like it. <laughs> it does. <laughs>
0: We just got to find something that first I had a little now I have a lot. We're going to have to figure that all out with Ohio, Uh, multiple multiple syllables there. Uh, So our our special guest host is back with us, Meredith Edwards. Namaste, Meredith. Thank you so much for joining us as guest co-host. We did note that your hair looks better than mine tonight. You probably noticed that, Um, but it's it's a pleasure to have you, ma'am.
5: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and thank you for your patience with my barrage of technical difficulties
0: man anybody who's been doing this knows it's going to happen in live broadcasting it's all good uh our home girl jules in the chat hi jules back from vacation where i was doing like kelly she she is is lucky enough to live near her childhood friends i have to get on a plane and rent a car to go visit mine and i do it every year if not twice a year and um it's amazing every time class of 85 what's up homes so um nathan take it away brother
1: Awesome. Kelly, great to have you with us. Uh, looking forward to this conversation for a long time. Uh, you and I have had many conversations together, with, and I'm very fortunate to have, have had that pleasure. Um, and I wanted to ask you something about, uh, this come up a lot recently for me, and I don't know how you feel about this, but it's the issue of inter, intersectionality and uh, and time and how experiences just sort of seem to I don't know, flow one into the other from the past and the present. Uh, how do you look at that issue, particularly when it comes to UFOs? I mean, do you have parts of your past that you kind of re-examine and can think about, okay, wow, this is, I look at this totally differently than I look at it, than I used to think about it. How has this changed your perspective on, on your life experience so far?
4: Yeah, leave and to kick us off with such a fired question. Um, <laughs> I love this question. Uh, and I was actually talking about this with somebody yesterday, which is it's funny how these things work, right? Um, you know what's been really interesting to me about coming into this field, um, and in a lot of ways, kind of coming into my purpose, like I feel like I've sort of found the thing that I'm supposed to be doing. It just fits like a glove. And um you know, finding that in my life has changed the way that I look at time and the way that I look at you know, the way things unfold. I think that I'd lived a life up until now that was sort of strange and checkered. I'm the kind of person who likes to blow herself, her life up every few years and completely try something new. And, you know, maybe I'm going to sell all my worldly possessions and go travel for a few years or, you know, quit that job. Like, you know, I uh, I always joke with my friends when they come to me and like ask, like, should I leave this job or should I break up with this person? I'm like, I- if I'm the person you're asking, you've already answered this question for yourself because you know what I'm going <laughs> to say, right? <laughs> I'm always on team burn your life down. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but having found where I am now, it's just so interesting to me to see how all of these sort of divergent paths that my life took that didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me at the time have all come together now in a way that I, you know, anytime I kind of come up against a challenge, I kind of reach into my toolkit and I've already got it. And it's usually the result of something very weird that I have that skill or that, that knowledge or that connection. Um, And it's, it's been really kind of affirming for me in a lot of ways. And it's, it's helped me live with a lot more trust um, in just that things are going to turn out the way that they're supposed to, maybe not the way that I hoped or the way that I wanted, but they are going to turn out the way that they're supposed to. Um, and you know, having, and it's interesting how getting to that place does sort of reframe your entire life and the whole timeline of what's happened to you. And you start to see things in kind of a more magical outlook in some ways. And, and so, yeah, it's definitely, that's something that's really changed for me a lot over the last few years.
1: Just a quick follow up on that, you know, magic, right? You feel like that's missing a lot in modern life. And we have all of these amazing things and incredible technology. We just talked about VR, with Deb, uh, but there seems to be like almost a, I don't know, hollowness to that. And and how would you compare the amazing things that we've achieved in that area versus what you're describing, the, the feeling that you're talking about?
4: Yeah, I mean, I really have come to a place where I feel like meaning is deeply imbued in all aspects of life. And I don't mean that in like kind of a soft, fluffy, woo sort of way. Like, I mean, very literally, I, I believe that to be true. And I think that you can see it in ways that are demonstrable. Like, For instance, I've really been fascinated and obsessed for years um, with the hero's journey. Because, you know, I've, I'm, I'm to this point where I see it in kind of like at every layer and at every level of life. It's something that I got really into when I was in the marketing world, because I found that it was just this tool that could like, drive people to action and granted marketing is kind of a dark way to use that but it did it did teach me something um <laughs> but I'm at a place now <laughs> where where I see that the hero's journey I, I see it in everything in every I see the cycles of everything the the meaning um it's hard to put into words but I do I do think that we miss something when we just look at the world as being this like cold, mechanistic thing that doesn't care about us I think that we are in part of the fabric of of a very meaningful universe that does care about us and and you know I think that that's something that um you know you see in the world today so many people who are just lonely and they're sad and they're depressed and you know suicide is at an all-time high and you know depression and all of these things and everybody's like oh go touch grass or you know and all those things probably do help I'm sure I know that they help but um feeling that you are that your life is meaningful and that you are deeply connected to the world around you I think is probably more of a cure for that than anything else but it's also not something it's not something you can give to someone but it is something that's accessible to everyone so it's I, I hope to see more people kind of make that flip as Jeffrey Kripal would call it you know in the next few years.
1: Oh, that's just beautiful. Excellent. Uh, well, I'm going to pass it off to Deb. I know she's got like 5,000 questions, so she has to start somewhere. So, Deb?
0: One thing I was going to say that's interesting is, though, when she talks about the hero's journey from New York, I'm thinking that's where we start with the capicol, the ham, you know, the onion, the provolone. Yeah. But you actually also meant bad. the cycle of life. So, yeah, geez. It's All a right. different kind a of hero. can also
4: <laughs> be a journey. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted to confirm that magic is real because Kelly is here. The Mm -hmm. magic is here, right? Yeah. Um, So one thing that you had mentioned recently caught my eye. You have um, been reading avidly and you have been reading one book or so a week, which is amazing. I wish I could do that. I'm so jealous. I wish I could just absorb (laughs) your knowledge, right? Um, Can you please tell people what you would say like the top book um, would be that you would recommend to get people started on this quest?
0: UFO rabbit hole. Gosh, sorry. Go ahead.
4: Well, yeah, I would. <laughs> I would love to recommend mine, but I think there's many that are much better. I, if, if we're talking about um, UFOs, I would say um, a great place to start, especially for someone who's like completely new to this and doesn't have any background in it. I would say either um, Ross Hart's book in Plain Sight or Leslie Kane's book, which is UFOs, and I forget the whole title, something about generals and.
2: Go on the record. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly.
4: uh, um, Both are really, really excellent entry points for somebody who's just trying to figure out sort of like, what is, is this real? Should I care about this? And I think both of them like really masterfully make the case that like, yes, this is real. Yes, you should care about it. Um, But I also really have this deep belief just through practice and through my own journey and through the journey of so many, you know, listeners that I've spoken to over time, that there are a million roads into this. You know, when people are like, where's the evidence? I'm like, where is it not actually, you know, because, um, you can find this, this topic, you can get into this topic from everything from quantum mechanics, to ancient civilizations, to religion, to, um, you know, there's a million different, there's a million different ways in physics, like, and, and I think that what's most important is that people really follow their curiosity. And so if there's a particular topic that about, you know, related to this field or really to any field, that really sings to you that like, it really gets your curiosity going and gets you excited. I think that that's the thing that you should do. I think that our curiosity is this really almost sacred tool that we probably ignore too much, that in some ways is this like road sign that's telling you, like, this is the path that's for you, like, this is the way that you should go. And so, you know, obviously, like, I'm happy to give recommendations, but I think that people should really follow their curiosity and their excitement and see where that leads them.
2: I'm always sad when people kind of <laughs> like squash that part of themselves, like, scientists in particular, like, that's very upsetting.
0: Yeah, Kelly doesn't have any bad yeah. answers to questions. It seems like that this is what I've, I'm gathering so far.
1: No edits but, in the show. Yeah,
0: I know, and you know it's But but when we say the name of a certain Australian journalist whom we love and who did a television interview with David Grush, we say it with the voice of Sean Bean from National Treasure. So it's like <laughs> is that t- Can you do that? No,
4: <laughs> I don't know if I can muster that gravitas, but.
0: <laughs> and we will say it that way until he comes on the show, Kelly. That's right, Ross Kiltat. All right, let me pass it over to my Bigfoot brother, who uh, you had a chance to interview on Deb's show, uh, Matt Knapp. Yes. What up? Hi, Matt. We quit in the
3: house. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> had to break it up a little bit. It was getting a little too deep for me. Uh, <sighs> I'm I'm going to lead off with this question. I have a bunch of questions that I'd like to get your uh, takes on, but I guess I'll start with this one. How have some of your opinions and theories evolved since you started this whole journey into the subject of the UFO and unexplained phenomenon?
4: I mean, they've evolved tremendously. I mean, I went into this when I really realized that there was a there, there, as we say, Um, I really sort of gave myself permission to read anything I wanted to and to watch anything I wanted to and to just take it all in because I was kind of having this ontological shock moment where I realized that I had spent my whole life thinking this stuff was ridiculous, and that I was wrong. Like I was so wrong. And so I... Kind of just wanted to take it all in and not really prejudice against myself against anything, but at the same time, I did still have those biases and prejudices inside of me. And I actually have an interview that I'm excited about that's coming out on Friday with um, uh, you know all of our friend here, Jay Christopher King, and um, I'm really excited about it because he's going to be talking about you know some of his really kind of profound experiences with non-human encounters. I mean, non-human intelligences that he's had. And, you know, I have to admit that coming into this topic, that stuff was harder for me. Like, I think that it's really easy in some ways to believe in non-human intelligence right up into the point that someone actually interacts with one. At which point, you know, the conclusion is that they're lying or they're crazy or they're mistaken in some way. It was sleep paralysis. It was you know something. Um, and. And I really had to get over that. And what helped me get over it was talking to people who've experienced it and getting to know those people and understanding, you know, finding people that are so intelligent and so, you know, successful and high functioning and who contribute and who, like, aren't out here to tell this story to, like, get attention. In fact, they don't necessarily tell the story. And it, it's been really it's been really good for me to push myself in that way and to open myself up and to make myself open to experiences that maybe don't, I don't have as much access to in a personal way. And once you begin to do that, the whole world opens up. Like I'm a big, listen, I'm a big, Bigfoot fan too. Wait till I start the Bigfoot rabbit hole one of these days. Yeah. I I was telling my husband that I can kind of see a future for myself where I'm like, some lady up in Northern Canada, like chaining herself to a tree to like protect Bigfoot habitats. <laughs> 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 That's the dream of the future. So, you know, I, and I think it's just, and I'm not, I'm just a much happier person as a result of, of all of that. I think some people might look at me and think I've lost my damn mind, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm much happier and I'm really excited about the people who are in my life that um, who've been able to open me up to that.
0: I was going to say, I think Matt will tell you that where you uh, where you live is a very good area for researching Bigfoot. Matt Moneymaker started there. Oh, I don't even uh, have to get went...
4: on a plane to chain myself to a tree. Oh, oh
0: God, no. no. The largest, <laughs> uh,
3: Bigfoot conference in the United States is in Ohio each year. So. That was ah. the first one, right, Matt? Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. It was the first one. Yeah. And I've never um,
4: been. I'm, I'm messing up. Oh, you got to I got to go. go. do better.
0: Yeah. I can, um, I can hook and, you
3: up with some good people.
0: Oh, amazing! Yes, he and also offline, without giving anything away. When you speak with Jay Christopher T- King on the phone, ask him about Salt Fork State Park, and that's all I am going to say. Okay? okay, I will. <laughs> okay, uh, it was good dinner conversation. Um, let's bring in the host of Meredith Frizzle, my homie Meredith Heckwith Edwards,
5: Kelly. I totally see why DJ was like, Meredith, you are going to love this lady. Um, (laughs) I totally do. It's so interesting because I'm new to like the UFO community to hear different people's voices, for lack of a better way to put it. You know, you've got the experiencer voice, the academic voice, the anthropological voice, the, you know, all these different angles now coming together, thankfully, right, to kind of shed light on this but never have we ever and you know, since I'm new, I can't really say never, but I haven't yet come across anyone that as approaching it from like a newbie and a marketing background. And I, what I especially love about what I've heard you put out there so far is your willingness to be like, Oh, I used to think this, and then I was wrong. And now I think that, and I think, I think people who are digesting this information in through the lens of reality. Now that's the journey that they like need to see in real life, you know, because we, there's so many people that are so knowledgeable about the history and all the characters at work, but there's not very many voices like yours that I've come across that are like, Oh, wow. You know, I I used to think it was this one thing, but now my perspective is changing. And I just think that's so cool. And you also had me at curiosity because that is my thing about let's lead with curiosity over judgment. Let's explore the nuance of our world in order to see the beauty of it. So that's not a question. (laughs)
4: <laughs> but that's oh, my awesome. I love Just, that. Like, that's so nice <laughs> to meet you. Um,
5: when I when I was cyber stalking you, and I mean that in the most legal sense of the word, um, I heard you do another interview where you talked about how your introduction to ufology was um kind of a spontaneous, for lack of a better word, psychedelic experience where you fell a deep um magnetism towards the subject matter has because we've talked with other people where plant medicine is actually a part of their process if you're okay answering this you complete the fifth it has plant medicine been a part of your ongoing journey in um kind of exploring this corner of the universe
4: i know i love this question i was actually um yeah So I actually haven't done psychedelics since I started this work, which is interesting. And I, I even have some, I just haven't. And I don't know why. (laughs) Um, Do you want to get together or or like, yeah, girl, let's check it out. Okay, cool. But, but they were a big part of my journey to get me here. So back Mm -hmm. in... Um, 2016, I was um living, I just gone through a really bad breakup. I was living in this apartment that was just so depressing. Um, and I was really depressed. Like I was, it was bad. And I didn't wasn't necessarily sure how much longer I was gonna be sticking around. And um kind of as sort of a last ditch effort to just sort of live, I guess. I ended up literally selling all of my worldly possessions. Uh, I sold everything that I owned that didn't fit into um, a backpack and a carry on. And that included a podcasting rig. So there was really not much in there. Um, And I took off and I traveled the world um, with my best friend and we did a different country every month. And right before we left, we had sort of this chance meeting with this guy who had grown up in like the city of God cult and like, didn't even have a social security number this is a great story um and <laughs> <laughs> he was like that far off the grid and uh and he <laughs> said to us we've got some of the best acid that anybody's seen since the 90s and we were like can we have like a thousand dollars worth <laughs> and he was like yeah so we took that and a bunch of mushrooms on the road, and I went and did psychedelics all around the world um, in all different countries. So not just plant medicine, but you know, related um, plants are definitely involved. Um, and that saved my life, like it really did. It I it it I find that psychedelics give me the ability to sort of see myself from the outside and to kind of break down all of the like weird structures and belief systems that you set up in your brain that are all mostly lies and are not helping you um, and kind of see yourself as the main character in the story again, you know, it's that hero's journey thing again. And it's where I really got fixated on the hero's journey. And um, so I actually haven't done a lot of that stuff. I feel I'm very cyclical with, with psychedelics. I feel like it's sort of like there's a time to reap and a time to sow, you know? And, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And right now I feel like I'm reaping, uh, you know, what I got from that last cycle and that that's really important. And someday it'll be time to sow again. Um, but the person that I am now wouldn't be possible without psychedelics. Like they saved my life and I'm, I'm glad to no longer be, uh, in a corporate job so that I could just say that out loud. Cause I, it's actually a big part of my journey and something that I believe in really strongly.
5: Yeah, me too. And I love that you mentioned, um, in cycles because that's, I mean, nature is in seasons. So, and you know, the mushrooms at least come from nature. And so that's kind of a realigning ourselves with nature in a way. And there's, you know, and this would be a good Nathan question actually, but, um, there's, it's said that many of the origins of, of the world's religions have a psychedelic origin story.
1: So Just read it. You yeah. Know. It's in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I should
4: plug, um, I was recently on a podcast called, it's really really good, it's called Psilocybin Says Um, Mm. the host, Eric Osborne interviewed me, and I talked about a lot of this stuff, and I just really recommend his work also, so just had to give Eric at Psilocybin Psilocybin Says a shout out Uh,
0: I want to give a shout out as well real quick, Uh, Garrett Edwards, Meredith Husband's in the chat, baby and uh, hopefully we're going to go camping and Bigfooting Together, uh, either yes. before or after we moved to Georgia. So yeah, uh, what's up, Garrett? Thanks for dropping in, bro. Um, <laughs> and and I don't know if like everybody else is just like finding themselves to admire and love Kelly even more with every <laughs> every question that she answered. You're really amazing. I mean, like this Aww. happens to us, you know, a lot. We end up inviting somebody on that we already like, and we're just like, wow. Or some people were like, we're not sure how it's gonna go, and then we just, you know, end up falling in love with them. So, um, so yeah, not to make you blush or anything uh, or tell you that your hair looks great. But, um, so, Kelly, w- what's interesting, ha- have you written a book other than uh, UFO Rabbit Hole before?
4: No, no, I haven't. And I've, I've, it's interesting. I've always fancied myself to be a writer, but I was like, like many writers, a writer with no actual written output at all. Um, (laughs) but (laughs) when I found the right thing, suddenly it just flowed really easily. And I, I'm at the point now where I'm constantly writing. I probably write at least 10 to 15,000 words a week on top of, you know, everything else. And it's just collecting and it's, it's like a faucet that won't turn off now. So. Um, I think I just needed the right subject matter. Apparently, fiction wasn't my thing. I just needed to write about UFOs. So.
0: <laughs> that, that really answered the question because I was kind of drawing a parallel between you and your friend. We have like three people, multiple people here. Everybody really on here has interviewed. I, I think it's, Matt's the only one that hasn't, Diana Pasolka, because Meredith had her on her show, which is how I found her. And you had her on, and you're both people who were extremely skeptical, did not believe uh, believe in the topic. But in your case, it was a something that that motivated you to 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 want to uh, write a book. And that's that's a you know a powerful emotion to get you to because, like you said, you had thought about it, but but that this was the one thing that you found that said, "Hey, I'm I'm going to actually put pen to paper."
4: Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's nothing has ever possessed me quite like this. Like I'm somebody who can definitely get obsessed with things. Um, and I called it the UFO rabbit hole. Cause I would always talk about how like nobody goes down a rabbit hole like I do. Um, but those always ended and with UFOs, there's just, there's no end in sight. There's so many, it just unfurls into all of these different, amazing paths that you can take and things you can learn. And I've never met such incredible people in my life. Like I, I've spent my whole life feeling like I, I never quite, I mean, I had friends all over the place and all over the world, but I never felt like I fit anywhere in particular. And I just, this community, I've just never met so many just intelligent, compassionate, wonderful people. I think your podcast is such a wonderful representation of that. And like, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'm locked you. in on this UFO thing.
0: <laughs> and if you'd like some marketing advice, what you can do is name your podcast in the book the same name. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that a great yeah. idea? Nathan, so like smart. maybe I would, maybe, yeah, maybe I could have a
1: career. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's like, shut up, DJ. All right, go ahead, Nathan. <laughs> go ahead, money.
1: <laughs> no, I, I, I love the line of inquiry that we're following, uh, Kelly, because I, I'm fascinated by flow state. I'm fascinated by inspiration and how these things happen. Um, I'm also fascinated by the human spirit and the way in which we react to one another and, and like collectively we can amplify an emotion or a feeling. Um, I was at a concert recently and I tweeted about this, being at a concert seeing all these amazing, happy people. And I was at an airport where I saw these amazingly depressed, sad, awful people, and it was this contagion, right? It was a it was a visible contagion. And I, I just wondered if you have experienced that as you have intersected with your guests and the subject matter and the the colleagues that you've had the chance to meet, uh, is, is, do you get the sense that there is a kind of amplification process that occurs, and and why is that so hard to come by now? I feel like we 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 just don't have it as much in our lives. Uh, maybe it used to be around us all the time, but I don't I don't remember it being that way. So what what do you think is going on there?
4: Oh, I love this question. Um, okay, so yes, like I do feel like there's something that happens. Like I I let, let me actually start with the, the second part of that question, which is like why, like, why don't we have more of this? And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that like, we're really locked into these loops. Like our, our daily modern lives lock us into these, these loops where we're just kind of on autopilot. And, you know, I remember when I turned 30, just like really mourning and also having this, this weird feeling of being like, for the first time, really recognizing that, like, if things go well for me, more of my life is going to happen after 30 than before 30. And I just never really thought of that. And there's some ways in this culture where it's like, you know, you have fun and you have your adventures when you're young, but then you get to a certain age and you lock in and then you just basically do the exact same thing on repeat until you die. So, yeah. And I think that, <laughs> that, like, a lot of people are living that way. And I was certainly living that way. And And I think that when you live that way, you can literally go years, you can go decades without ever actually making a decision like it just sort of goes and I, and I think that the way to get out of that is just to put yourself out there it's like to spontaneously go on a walk. It's like, go get coffee by yourself and just sit there without a book, like without headphones, without your armor, you know, just let the world <laughs> exist around you and exist inside of it. And, uh, you know, and, and when you do that, it, the magic of life presents itself to you almost immediately. It's not like you have to do this three or four times for something cool to happen. Like you literally just have to do it a couple times. Um, And the world finds you. And, and, you know, when I talk about the world being full of meaning, that's what I mean. I think that if you kind of let the winds of the cosmos catch you, like you, you will be carried somewhere new and somewhere important and and somewhere that you're supposed to be. And that so much of our modern life is set up to keep us from doing exactly that. And I've found that so much in this community. And I think what's cool about it is like exactly what's happening here is that, you know, we all come from very different backgrounds, we're from all different, you know, parts of the country. And, um, but we have this thing that we're really passionate about. And so it brings us together. And it helps us form these really interesting communities. And, you know, I travel to see the friends that I meet through this, I, you know, we go and have adventures together. And the, 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 partnerships and the collaborations and the conversations and just the really deep friendships that emerge from that end up being so much deeper than just like this is the person I happen to sit next to at work. And so now we're best friends, you know, <laughs> like um, and I think that what's so beautiful about this field is that and the passion that's brought us all here is that it does all kind of it catapults us all into this sort of more magical version of life where we can really um, expect amazing things to happen and they do happen. And I think that's really special. And I'm so grateful to have found that because I was really staring down the barrel of like, Oh my God, I'm going to do the same thing every day to like die. And I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. And I, and it seems like, uh, you really can just sort of take a step to the right and you're in a different dimension if you choose to do so. And, and I'm, I, I think everyone should.
0: <laughs> and Grush says there's a mathematical framework for it. The co-located, physical, dimensional space. That's where they're coming from. Or at least that's, that's right. one theory anyway. So, <laughs> um, Debs.
2: Yeah, I'm going to try to phrase this as best I can. So I was thinking about, you know, we're all going on this journey. Your show often goes down different paths as you go on your journey. Your book was about going on a journey. But what do you think would change if we just finally get all the evidence and everything is like put down on a table in front of us and they're like, okay, so here's the bodies, there's the proof, (laughs) like here's, here's the UFO, here's the proof of the recovery programs. And, and we just have all the answers given to us. What do you think will happen? I guess you could say from a, a sociological perspective to all of us in the community.
0: Great question.
4: That is a great question. I mean, in some ways, I think we start a new story, right? Like I feel like the story never really ends like we end a cycle, um, but a new cycle, a new cycle begins because um, I think something that's really interesting um, for anybody here who knows uh, Joel from future folklore I really like that guy. He's very cool. And, um, he's been talking, we, we had a conversation once and I'll probably screw this up. So sorry, Joel, if you're listening. Um, but he was talking about how he wanted to do some work exploring the idea that in all organic systems, that secrecy is like a necessary part of that system. Like, um, just as an example, like you can't, your brain doesn't know everything, at least not in a conscious way that's going on inside of your body, because like it couldn't, like you, you're not going to be able to not get hit by a car when you cross the street, if you're like conscious of your digestion, right? Like there's, there's, it's too much. And so in some ways that like secrecy is this natural part of an organized, an organic system, but I think, you know, maybe even a natural part of an organic system. And so I think that even if they, like, we can see it now. To use a word that uh, Nathan and XO use all the time, um, we can see this, how this information even now is being metabolized at like a different rate <laughs> by different people and in different places. And so I think that even if they laid it all out on the table tomorrow, that it's not like everyone would suddenly know or, or be able to accept it. Like there would still, we're all still going to be at like a different place in that journey of trying to understand and metabolize what this means. And some people aren't going to care at all. And some people are going to totally reject it. and Some people are, you know, on an Island somewhere and they don't know about this at all. And uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know, like, I, I don't know if there's such a thing as this like total disclosure that people uh, are hoping for sometimes. Cause I think that it's, it's always going to be a little messier than that, but even if we could get it, I think it just starts a, a brand new story and I'm sure that it would present all kinds of new challenges and, uh, questions uh, that we didn't have before.
0: Can I can I just add on to that? Um, I think Jim Semivan basically said it on this show that even the most informed among us in the government that have maybe interacted even with these beings uh, in, in terms of like having a live biological creature there and having craft that, that maybe yields something, we're still not, as you said, um, they still don't know. He said that one of the reasons they haven't told us because they don't understand it. And even if they laid everything they have on the table, we still won't know it all because that theoretical framework that Grush talked about is just that. That's not scientifically provable by us yet. So we still have lots to, to, to think about, to discover, to have people that are these experiencers. Uh, communicate with them and maybe get that information from the ones that want to be transparent and, and that maybe aren't indifferent or malevolent towards us, but are benevolent, maybe they will give some of those answers. But even if the, the most informed, you know, at least governmental type person laid it all out there, I'm sure that they don't have, there's still plenty of us for to chew on for our lifetime. So I agree, um, yeah. Matthew?
3: Whenever it comes to the UAP stuff, uh, I still call it UFO stuff. I'll, that's just how I grew up. I'll never be able to let go of it. It works. Uh, Same. <laughs> uh, the stuff going on with the Senate hearings and everything. You have all of that. And you have that at basically the, the spear tip of the UFO community, the focus of the UFO world. But you also have a lot of people that believe these things aren't some sort of alien craft, they might be interdimensional coming, they might be us, we don't know, it might be a time travel device, who knows. Then you have the experiencers like you were talking about who are having actual interaction with non-human intelligences. Do you think we're dealing with one thing or do you think a lot of different things are getting lumped into one category together?
4: That's a great question my guess is that it's probably a lot of things just for how complicated the landscape is and and how different you know the kind of full scope of experiences that people have are i think that's almost certainly likely and i think that i mean i think you would almost expect something like that on a planet like ours right like we i think sometimes we forget that our planet is very rad Like, it's really just the best thing going for, like, thousands and thousands of light years in any direction. And, um, you know, so if there is life in the universe, and I think that it's pretty safe to assume that life is probably pretty abundant in the universe, since we continue to find it in places that we think life shouldn't be even on our own planet, and we have a very hard time defining life, Um, you know, now that we introduce artificial intelligence, right, we've got... We, we are introducing a whole different concept of like what intelligence could even be um so i think that we have to assume that probably life of all kinds and intelligence of all kinds is probably sort of swarming around the earth like insects around a flame you know like this is a really hot spot if you are uh looking for any kind of a cool place to hang out and uh So yeah, I think we're probably dealing with all kinds of stuff that we just either haven't evolved to recognize or we have been prevented from seeing or, and maybe some combination of all of the above, but it seems to be a pretty complicated ecosystem from what the data shows.
0: And, you know, we're really blessed to, uh, on this show that experiencers will contact like Nate, one contacted Nathan and he forwarded over to me because she was from, uh DOD Intel side uh, Deb just connected me with somebody and one of them I was speaking with her the other day because she's having an evolution in her relationship with the phenomenon it's kind of getting better now before it was it was painful and and it was pressure and uh she was getting messages right when we were on the phone together she like stopped and said hey you know and then we have exo we have you know jay we have other people that are that are having these these connections and so, yeah, they're reporting very different, you know, there's some very different interactions. You know, if Whitley Strieber, I mean, I, I don't believe that the entities that he's interacting with are the same that maybe James has interacted with or, or Jay. So, yeah, I think it, it, it has to lead us. And um, all, you know, I know people think like, oh, you know, DJ's always talking about government stuff. Uh, well, that's just only because that's what I, I know. But I have, we wouldn't know anything if it wasn't for the re- experiencers. And they, you know, I do listen to them intently, uh, and and take heed of what they say because I believe uh, we have a lot of friends that we 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 don't think it's a psychosis. We believe they're having these interactions, and that provides us insight with which we can sort of start to develop. Okay, how you know how grand is this? What are the different tangents and possibilities? And Xo always says it's it's most it's almost certainly not one thing. It's it's many things, and um. I think there's every reason to believe that until we can prove that it's not. So I agree. Uh, MHE. Hello? That just
4: rolls
5: off the tongue, doesn't it? MHE. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, from a branding and messaging perspective, do you think networks like Discovery and History Channel are hurting or helping the? phenomenon cause in the mainstream
4: oh, you guys are asking such good questions and stuff that like <laughs> i really like to talk about and that no one ever asks me I'm just like, yes. yay <laughs> good um because i am a branding nerd like i was a brand director for a yeah. company like this is what i felt like for on um i think it's a co- i think it's complicated like anything in this field i think that for a long time like up until super recently that there was only really a certain way in which any of this stuff could be talked about, right? And it had to be like with a little wink and a nod and probably like pew pew, like sci-fi noises, you know? And that was the only way that we, that this stuff was gonna get on television. And, you know, I think that there was, and even now, even with things being the way that they are, like even with kind of things opening up in that conversation, the reality is, is that like media is never going to lead. Media is always going to follow. And they aren't going to like take a stand because that's literally just not how their business model is set up. Like they're not gonna go out on a limb and put some content out there that like they're not sure whether or not this is gonna hit. And you see like even more increasingly over time that like a lot of the newer shows that are getting greenlit for like Netflix and all these other things are usually coming from podcasts. And and I there are entire companies that like develop a certain amount of podcasts every year specifically to develop that IP and specifically the audience to then sell to one of these bigger streamers. So like, there's just a certain economics of it where like, like there are a lot of people out there where we're like, why do they just keep making the same movies over and over again? Why doesn't anybody have any new ideas? And like, there are lots of new ideas out there, but those ideas aren't getting made because that would be a risk. Like they'd have to sink money into developing this thing when they could just develop something that they already know has an audience built in so like there's all these kind of like barriers to better media getting put out there which is why i'm really excited about kind of the democratization of media that's happening through things like podcasts and streaming and you know there's suddenly there are there are entry points you look at somebody like like i love uh the team that did hellier i think they're amazing and like you know they just released that on their own put it on amazon put it on youtube and you know, they're really kind of trailblazing in a way of showing that there's like a new way to approach this media. So to get back to the question, I think that probably it hurts, right? Like some of these shows like that just aren't really taking it very seriously or taking kind of like a hacky sort of approach to it. I'm sure that it, I'm sure that it hurts, but I think we also have to recognize that for a long time, like it was that or nothing. I think we're just now getting to the point where we can start to demand better. Um, but you know, I watched a lot of ancient aliens. Like I still put that on sometimes. Like it's, it's a good time. And for, and for people who um, are brand new to this, if it introduces them to an idea, I mean, a lot of people are just going to watch it casually and walk away, but there's always going to be that like certain percentage of people that follows up and that digs deeper. And that ends up having like a more kind of, uh, adult interaction with that material and and I think that you know if if it was that or nothing then I'm glad we had it.
5: Well what we you're what you're referring to is you know what is really active curiosity versus passive curiosity, right? Like active curiosity pauses the ancient aliens show and gets on the phone and goes, okay, how, how much is, what is that? And kind of goes down the rabbit hole of, of a piece of it instead of just passively consuming it as a zombie and not looking into any of it. But, um, I tend to agree with you on the side of hurting, you know, especially, discovery and their dang dramatic music, you know, if they could just (laughs) dial that back a little bit, it's like, everything is a freaking shark attack with them. Um, but in the, in the spirit of, um, you know, the, the branding and that sort of thing, I also want to just tag on a related question about something I've observed since I'm a, you know, eighties, nineties kid, uh, that it seems like the media presentation of, experiencers used to be very different than it is now. Like it used to be, um, you know, Bubba Joe missing some teeth in front of his double wide, talking to the camera, you know, picking his down (laughs) moves. Like it was so train wrecky. And now it's like uh, very academic and very procedural and following protocols. And it has all this uh, it carries weight now, which I just find really interesting. And I was just curious if you have made any similar observations over the, the messaging that comes out about phenomenon and that sort of thing.
4: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I have noticed that as well. It does seem to be getting better. And I wonder if a big part of that might not be that over the last few years, we've seen it's clearly still an issue, but a reduction in the stigma. Because in some ways, I think that it was intentionally done, right, to kind of just yeah. credit these people and make us, you know, wonder about their credibility. But at the same time, I also kind of wonder, because I know so many experiencers now who are like, you know, department heads at major universities, like have very important successful jobs and like a body of work in a totally unrelated field to this and, um, but who just do not talk about this. They they will not talk about their experiences and so i wonder if part of it was like the active cultivation of the stigma but then at a certain point the stigma becomes kind of self-reinforcing because if the only people who are willing to talk about it are people who like don't have the self-awareness or like the connection to actual reality to understand that like maybe you shouldn't go on television and tell people this stuff you know because Mm or if they don't have a lot to lose, you know, or they don't have, you know, so me, so I think that there's like a little bit of selection bias that ends up happening there as well. And so I'm hoping that if we can continue to fight back against the stigma, that we're going to see more and more experiencers come forward and realize that like, experiencers, they're just like us. <laughs> they're a little weirder. I love that. That's so great. And I
5: love what you said about media always fall always follows and never leads. That's really an empowering statement about, you know, what we participate in in the media is like a vote in a, essentially.
4: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, your your eyeballs are a vote 100%. You,
0: you know what's interesting is the last guest that we had on Nathan was on vacation for this. I think it was just myself Debs and Matt we had on, again, Doug Highcheck, the film director from Minnesota, and he said there are cases where he will go and he'll go north into the hunt, hunting areas and so forth and camping. He said he had a cabin, one cabin he'd go to for 35 years that I don't even know if there was a cell. I don't think there's a cell signal there. In any case, he said he'll go up to hunters and people in northern Minnesota and casually ask, you know, hey, have you seen a Bigfoot? And, and their response of no, he could tell that they had. Like they're, mm-hmm. you know, said so that, you know, and this guy is doing legend mead science right now. But he said they're the way that they answer, you know, they had experience and they just don't want to talk about it because of what you guys were just talking about. It. They don't. And forget about it, TV cameras and discovery. Just telling somebody I saw they don't want to admit to that. Uh, and Matt can take you through kind of like a, a class A experience. Matt, tell, talk just real quick. You know, let's just go off road for a second because we're about to get get in a little bit of fireside here. But Matt, take take through the sort of the daytime class A close up
3: of who of
0: <laughs> any people that you've you've talked to those daytime class A's.
3: I mean, we can talk about uh, my friend that I spoke oh. to you earlier about. <laughs> I mean, it was at nighttime; it wasn't daytime. Uh, mm-hmm. But he, he was actually a skeptic. He was my best friend, uh, a city kid, uh, 25 years old at the time. He was going with me because he was worried about his best friend who was meeting up with, you know, quote unquote strangers from other states uh, to go look for something that didn't really exist deep in the woods. So he went along and just by pure dumb luck, he had an up close uh, personal siding with one. 30 feet away, uh, changed his life. His reaction was, uh, screaming and locking himself in my car, uh, going into complete shock, uh, begging me to drive him eight hours back home immediately. Uh, and this was the first day we were there. We were actually there for a conference in the area. Uh, but it took about an hour, hour and a half for people to get him to calm down and everything. Some some ladies that were with us uh, got in my car with him and talked to him privately, you know, and kind of got him calmed down and everything. He ended up getting a tattoo of a Bigfoot on his arm uh, because <laughs> of the sighting. But, you know, he doesn't really tell people about it. He he still doesn't really talk about it that much. And then uh, to kind of compound that, he's Native American. His You know, his family's Cherokee. And... Uh, their particular belief system is like you don't really talk about them you just mm. accept that they exist and that's it they're you know leave them alone basically uh so the thing you're saying about the witness and the the stigma with the witness i i i think that's dead accurate uh for sure you know back in the 80s and 90s who was willing to take the 500 paycheck and go on tv and tell their story for everybody it wasn't yeah. going to be the academics. It wasn't going to be the people that had something to lose. It was going to be, uh, quite frankly, usually the poor people living in the double wide that the $500 was worth them going on television and making a fool of themselves or having you know, a mockery made of them and tell their story. And so I think that had a lot to do with it. And I definitely think that has changed the more as time progresses. And now it, it's no longer such a big deal. You're not going to lose your career if you come forward and talk about it in most cases. But I still think there's that bar set of what the public is willing to accept right now. Uh, so some of those stories are still kept secret. And, uh, you know, maybe someday they'll come forward and be able to share stories without judgment and without fear of losing all their credibility in their career.
0: And, and mm-hmm. we're smiling, but it's very Whitley. You guys got to meet Whitley Strieber. If you remember, Priscilla was tearing up when he was telling his story. It's that kind of fear and shock, Yeah, you know, yeah. that I mean, I will never, ever. ever and Matt's heard me tell the story a couple of times. The cab has heard and I won't go through the story now, but basically it was a researcher from Florida who did kind of like Kelly. He 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 moved himself out to the Oregon, Washington area because he had. Uh, some, you know, vocal experiences in Florida, in, in, um, in central Florida. I can't remember the town, Ocala. And he decided, I'm moving to where they are. He moved out to Oregon and did six, seven, six years at a, uh, of research out there and took people out in the woods and everything until one day he went to wash his frying pan in the creek after breakfast. And he saw footprints leading away from the creek up a trail. He followed them rounded a corner, and it was standing right there. He turned around, <laughs> he dropped to his knees, threw up, and then looked over his shoulder, and, and the creature was sort of stopped making eye contact and was kind of looking to where his vehicle was, as if just get out of here kind of thing. Didn't move, and he got up, and, and he he ran back to his vehicle, and he stopped researching Bigfoot that day. Well,
3: Again, wow. Just, just today, uh, so... The last person that I interviewed uh, for this past week, he was, uh, oh, he had an encounter in Mississippi, right on the line of the Pearl River. Uh, it basically makes the state border. And just today, after the fact, we're talking through text messages, and he tells me that he's going to go back to the area where he had his encounter and he's going to go by the gun range there, an outdoor gun range where they have, like, you know how for instance, in parks at like trailheads, they'll have like a clipboard hanging up where you can like sign in with your name and everything mm-hmm. if you're going on the trail. So he said they have a sign like that for people to write down their recent sighting that they had in the area. Of Bigfoot. Oh, yeah, cool. at, at this wow. gun range. And I was like, are, are you serious? <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, I mean, don't go out there for me. But like, if you're going out there, I'd love to have a photo of that. That would be amazing. But it's just like, in some areas, it's just so common that like, yeah, everybody knows somebody that's seen one and it just doesn't really get talked about or anything. It doesn't make it to the Internet. It doesn't make it to the TV shows, but it's just widely accepted.
0: And and that's, that's kind of like what I was going to ask Kelly to, to uh, just come off of what her and Meredith were talking about. And then I'd, I'd like to take this. To Nathan and the rest of the panel, but do do you think that uh, media has a role to play um, in in disclosure, or do you think that they're going going to be separate but equal? Like, do you think that that it has a positive role to play, or do you think it'll just be sort of commercialized, marginalized, and just you know in, in that sense?
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I think media is going to p- play a role, whether we like it or not. It's going to play a big role, and unfortunately, you know, so much of what we You know, the kind of monoculture that we all live in is created for us by the media every single day, you know, and um, I don't think that's going to stop. And obviously, I mean, as much as uh, it's going to be exciting, I think, when in the next few months, as things go the way we all hope they're going, that people are more people are going to have sort of an awareness that there's something going on here um, beyond what they were told. I think that um, I'm already seeing a lot of money coming into the space uh, in the podcasting space. You know, I've predicted to people, and I think I'm going to be right on this, um, that within two to three years, I think there's going to be as many UFO podcasts as there are true crime podcasts. You know, and I think that I think there's going to be a a major dilution, and that a lot of the people who are going to be coming into this aren't necessarily going to know. They're not going to have the background. They're not going to have the deep knowledge. You know, they won't have done the homework. They basically are going to be handed this project and say, like, make something about UFOs now. And so, um, you know, that's discouraging. And I think, but, but the, there's always hope, right? I'm the eternal optimist. And I think that although a lot of that is inevitable, that we've got people like all the folks here on this call and like the community that we've built on UFO Twitter of people who are really passionate about this subject, um, who are going to keep making good stuff and putting it out into the world. And, um, I I think that I'm hopeful that we're going to be able to be at least, you know, some part of that. Um, and that, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I think a lot of it's going to come down to, you know, the kinds of media that we engage in and with and the kinds of media that we support is going to go a long way. But I think more than anything, just continuing to, you know, build out, you know, inroads with the public and try to communicate to people and, and bring people into this in the best way that we can. Um, you know, we have something to offer that media isn't going to be able to give people because at the end of the day, for people who haven't really explored this deeply, they're going to end up just making some version of ancient aliens again, you know, like it's not going to be, and I think what all of us know is how incredible it is when you find these, you know, a work that is, or, you know, whether it's a podcast or a book or an article or something that really resonates with you on a true authentic level and how different that is than just like the fluff that's out there. And so, you know, I think that there's a place for this community to lead moving forward. And, you know, we're going to be drowned out by a lot of other noise, but they're not going to be able to drown us out all the way. We're still going to be here kicking. And I'm, I'm excited to see what, you know, this community is able to accomplish in this new landscape, because I don't think we should count ourselves out yet. I think that, you know, if we work together and we're very intentional about the work that we put out into the world, Um, That we can make a difference, and I think that's important.
0: I don't think they'll ever drown us out. But uh, before that, uh, just they won't drown you out, DJ. (laughs) (laughs) Scott Gieran is in the chat. My USAF pararescue brother. Hi, Scott. It's been a minute. Welcome back. Uh, And Nathan, um, I I phrased that question kind of poorly because I was really kind of trying to tag off of like television shows, not media. Meaning, because yes, certainly. You know, print and and television journalism, we need them, you know, in order for for people to accept that this is going to happen, to fulfill Deb's mission, your mission, et cetera. Everybody here's mission. But I'm curious, Nathan, uh, you know, like in terms of television shows that are meant to entertain, do you think that they have a role?
1: I think they will. I mean, think about crime shows, right? I mean, crime is real. It happens all the time. But we dramatize that. Uh, on plenty of shows. every every year there's a new crime show and there's a new spin on it or whatever that tries to draw Tons. people's attention yeah so so i think to kelly's point right there will be a lot of folks that are going to get into that space because that's where the eyeballs are right just, just it's a very practical that's sort of how the world is structured um but what i find interesting about this entire process is it, it relates to the stigma right it relates to things we, we've been talking about and and that is that is that that there's something that's special that really happens when you connect with someone and you you, you give them uh, space and permission to be authentically who they are. Uh, and how hard that is to do, not just to one create the space, but also to be authentic when the invitation is extended. right? Because we're so all of us. We're all really good at not doing that, right. We're all really good at, you know, kind of boxing away the parts of our experience in life that we know are not okay to talk about in, in public circles or whatever. And so when we're given that permission to, you know, essentially like kind of be who you are, uh, you know, all wart, warts and all, we're all kind of a little bit like, I don't know if I really, it's, you know, it's sort of like the, uh, you know, the, the, that story about the elephant with the, with the, with the pole, you know, the little baby elephant, they kind of stick the pole in the ground. The elephant, you know, can't pull the pole out. So it just stays next to that pole. And as the elephant gets huge, they, they haven't changed the pole. It's this tiny little stake but it believes that it can't leave, right? So that's sort of like how I think about this as well. Like, even when the permission is there, we have a hard time coming away and and moving out of that. But but this process has the opportunity to really transform the way in which we relate to each other because it is so personal, right? Um, I, I know that the nuts and bolts and the, and the scientific rigor, all that's really important, but it's not a far jump from that to how it impacts real people on a personal level. And I think that's the, the wild card here, right? I mean, that, that's the thing that like, when that, when that door to the barn opens, like, I don't know what kind of horses are going to come out of that, you know, what kind of response we're going to see. It could be a stampede of folks saying, well, yeah, I mean, this happened to me and this happened to me. And then it kind of becomes this, you know, really wild, uh, recursive explosion of experience that, that maybe wakes us all up from uh, the kind of stupor that we've been in, uh, just agreeing to like not talk about these darker things in our lives or these, these strange things that we've experienced. So I don't know, Kelly, like that's a long preamble to say, like, do you find that having been willing to to get into this topic and to have these harder conversations, that it does make you more prone to creating that kind of space when you interact with people, even if it's not about UFOs.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, I have become a much more compassionate person as a result of doing this work. And I've become I, I've also, there's there's something you said about, you know, about giving people the permission to just be authentically themselves. And I think that it becomes so much easier to do that when you have found a way to be authentically yourself. There's just sort of like a, a deep okayness with yourself that you're able to find. It took me a lot of years in my life to get to that place. And I think that At the point that you're able to kind of stop judging yourself and just be, that suddenly it makes it a lot easier to to just let others just be, um, yeah. And it's 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 one of the most rewarding parts of this work is the interpersonal part of it and the the friendships that you make and you know the people that you hear from, you know the emails that you get, the stories that people share. Um, It just, yeah, it makes you connect with people on a much more open from a much more open place, from a place of curiosity. And um, yeah, I love that.
0: You know, Nathan and I were talking about uh, a new person in our space named Sean Ryan, the Navy SEAL. And mm-hmm. I called Vinny the other day, our and everyone here is friends with Vinny. Uh, although Meredith has yet to meet him, but they will be friends eventually. Um, and I said, Vinny, I said, this guy has 1.8 million subscribers on YouTube. Think about that. For a guy who's new on this space, 1.8 million. And he said, you know, when I went to work for the CIA and I was going through training, the guy who was my trainer was a former SEAL. And I knew that the way that he was acting was not himself. I knew that he was acting a role. And he said, you know something? It was him interviewing a Delta Force operator. And he said, there's nothing more exhausting than trying to be someone that you're not. Yeah. And it just it resonated with me. And those those guys have, you know, uh, really had a chance to to reflect on themselves after their career and what it's like to be human because uh, their job necessitates that they devalue human life to a degree, uh, but not completely to to, to execute their work. Uh, So, yeah, uh, for the rest of this, everybody, if you My question, you know, doesn't you don't need to entertain that. You could just ask Kelly something. Kelly could ask the panel something if she has a topic that she wants to talk about. But Debs, it's all yours, my friend.
2: I want to go back to the media thing for a minute because I was listening to Weaponize this morning on my way to work, and I heard Jeremy Corbell talk about these producers going against what he had asked them um, when they invited him to come on. And he basically... Um, made a power statement we don't have to engage with people who are going to minimize this anymore we're not at a point uh in in this topic historically where we have to put up with the x-files and the tinfoil hats and the little green beings comments that get made we're at a point where we have done the research we're taking this seriously we're presenting that information and sharing it with everyone freely, right? So I just, my my perspective on this is take the power back. Like, we have it. We don't have to keep giving up part of who we are or part of the topic, by the way, because experiencers are still not being covered in the media and they're definitely not being covered appropriately when they're even referenced in, like, a documentary uh, for, like, some tv show you know like they they corrupt the stories um they take them from mufon and change them you know so they they don't even give the actual story so let's take the power back like let's tell the story we want to tell we don't need to worry about what the media is doing they can keep working with the cia if they want
1: (laughs) i love that
4: (laughs) No, and I love that, and I love, and I, I, I love that energy. I think we should stick with that, because um, it's true that the tide is turning, and you know, the burden of proof is on our side at this point. And you know, yeah, I agree with that, and I think that's great, and I think it's really good to see that there are people in the community who are thinking really deeply about having integrity in the work that they put out, and having that be important, and not being willing to compromise just because it might be. Financially expedient in the moment, um, I think that's great.
0: I think uh, I don't know if it was Jeremy, but I saw a. So it may have been Jeremy and George. I can't remember. It may have just been Jeremy, where they played the X Files music, and then they said, "But we're still playing the X Files." So it's almost like the actual on-air host was embarrassed that their producer put on that music and just acted like an, an idiot by doing that, you know, because you you're making the topic into a joke. And hopefully you don't know that. And hopefully it's just ignorance. I hope Um, Matt.
3: Yeah. uh, We're on one of my favorite subjects already. Media. (laughs) What do you know, (laughs) man? Uh, So whenever it comes to media and if we're talking television shows or any sort of media, but specifically television, I mean, that's a product, you know, they're going to put out whatever makes the money. And like Kelly said, The consumer, whatever it consumes, is what they're going to put out. It it just stands to reason. But we also live in a time now where people are going to their TV sets a lot less for their media consumption. And we are the media now. I mean, you have, uh, like you were saying, Sean you know, (laughs) 1.8 million subscribers. Uh, His YouTube channel is bigger than some of the TV shows being broadcast. Yeah. You know, so I guess really my question is, Kelly, I mean, you're a content creator, you're an author, you know, you have a a following on social media. Uh, Social media has become its own platform for this type of content. How do you uh, brand yourself? How do you market yourself knowing that your opinions now hold much greater weight than they used to? Now your opinions, whenever you put them out there in the world, are actually shaping other people's opinions and what they're going to believe and argue and who they're going to align with. How do you process and filter all of that now?
4: That's a great question. And it's it's hard. And it's something that, like, listen, I, in my heart, like, I okay, so I said I'm doing that interview with Jay, right? And Jay is a dear friend of mine. And like, I had to cut out a good, like 20 minutes of that episode because it's just me and Jay cutting it up. You know, like I'm, yeah. I'm <laughs> in my heart. I am the smart Alec. I am the class clown. I am the sarcastic one in the back. And, um, and I've had to <laughs> let go of like the snark. And I've had to let go of a lot of that because I've re- had to realize that like, when I put stuff out there that it, people are listening to it and that, and that I have the ability, not like I feel like I'm out here, like changing the world with a tweet or anything, but that like, but that I am consciously putting energy out into the world that's going to go somewhere and that that energy can be positive. I can be doing, I I can be doing something good with that with that ability to put that energy out there, I can be helping make things more clear for someone or I can make it more accessible or I can make it more grounded or I can, you know, there are all these things that I can do. And I can also just, you know, I, I really believe in positive energy and I think it's a really powerful thing. And and it's, it's only more, I think we have this idea that because our, our culture is so negative that somehow like positivity is just a, doesn't matter or that it's somehow impotent in some way in this environment, but I think that positivity is only more and more powerful in a, in a negative world. And so, I mean, if more than anything, I don't worry so much about like branding myself in a particular way, but I really worry a lot about, and I, when I'm disappointed in myself, it's because I feel like I, in some way haven't acted with integrity in the things that I posted or put out, if I haven't been kind, or if I haven't been thoughtful, or if I just fired off because I was angry, which I do sometimes, and I'm, I'm working on that. More than anything, I'm just trying to really behave with integrity and put things out into the world that are positive to the best of my ability. I'm a human being and I screw that up all the time. Um, but I do, but it, and, and a, a nice side effect of that, I think it's the right thing to do regardless. But I think a really nice side effect of that is that when you is that it is a little different than a lot of what's going on on UFO Twitter, you know, what I mean, like, not anybody here, obviously, but there's a lot of negativity out there. And I think that mm-hmm. the, the positivity, not like mindless optimism, but just, you know, acting like it matters how you act, um, that that makes an impression on people. And then it does move the needle in a certain in a certain way. And I think that it actually has got me more listeners although i think i'd do it regardless but it it does matter to people like you look at a show like ted lasso and how you know successful that was i think there's a you know or like shits creek like i think there's like actually a hunger out there for kind of just like wholesomeness people want it we miss it
0: <laughs> we will we will do that i mean we will we will never go on twitter and criticize somebody's show there's people on there that i don't like that i think are putting out garbage they will no kidding do episodes criticizing someone's show. We won't even make a tweet that criticizes their artwork, but it yep. just you know because I'm not in I'm not here for that. I'm not in it for that. So you know, spread the positivity. Welcome people on, and if people don't like it, people went ballistic when we had John and Anjali on. I'm like, hey, you know, thanks so much for being excited about it. We're excited as well, uh, <laughs> uh, and exactly. we'll have one again. Um, but anyway, let me pass over to my home girl. She got some positivity running around her Meredith. Well,
5: yeah, well, I was just going to say, I think what people connect with and they crave is that just what we were talking about earlier, right? Kelly, like being authentic. And so if you're a little salty (laughs) and and that's your authentic (laughs) self, I, I think that connects with people and it's the you know, that overly sanitized version of information delivery that I think people are partly just like, oh my God, I'm so tired of it, you know, and it'll be interesting to see if your prediction comes true. Um, I think long form content is maybe working its way up to being king in media land. Don't you think like people, yeah get to really know the story and it's not just the headline. I think kind of going back to what you said about media follows, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where, where it follows, where the people lead the media, because if long form content is the preferred method of consuming disinformation, consuming nuanced information, right. Then mm-hmm. show then podcasters will be in the spotlight of of how people prefer to consume information and how they prefer to get to know, uh, people who are on TV, not in like a parasocial way, but like in a, like, let's really explore the layers of this person. And as far as like how that crosses over into more entertainment, that's also an interesting area because, I don't know. Sometimes my husband and I will sit down and and turn on the TV and watch a video version of a podcast and that's our show for the night, you know. So mm-hmm. it, it yeah, it it'll be it'll be interesting to see where show like reality shows will it be actual reality like real people like like us here doing what we're doing right now. Will that be, you know, what people watch at night before they go to bed. I don't know. That's not really a question at all. Just a, (laughs) just a diatribe of
4: thoughts for you to respond to, I think. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's so true. And I mean, I am speaking of Sean Ryan, I am only like, I've been made dinner twice now to his interview with Brandon Fugel and I'm not quite done yet. Um, And I love that. Like, I love, I love being able to dig in more deeply. And I learned all kinds of things about Brandon that I didn't know and probably wouldn't have learned otherwise. And, you know, about his life and what makes him tick. And I think, like you said, I think people do crave authenticity. I mean, there's a reason why like TikTok is so popular, although I try to stay off of that, that algorithm. You watch one shady video on TikTok, and that algorithm will drag you straight to hell. Like you are all of a sudden just like in the depths (laughs) of the internet.
5: So bad I am TikTok free, my friend. C- cross yeah, over no, to the dark have, side with me.
4: <laughs> yeah, I have to get rid of that because it's bad. But there's a reason because people, we don't necessarily, we want to feel like you're looking into somebody's living room and, hey, what are you up to? What are you making for dinner? Like, what are you thinking about? You know, and i I agree with you. I think that media will probably change a lot in the next, in the coming decades. And that this kind of thing that we're doing right here, just people being People being bros with each other, you know, is That's what's great. Up. people love this.
5: Yeah, have you noticed I like it. even the interview style of some like major, you know, figures on major news networks? Because I don't have TV like like a normal person. I just have like a couple streaming services because I'm not an animal, right? I got something, but I don't have like <laughs> linear television. And I will watch. My husband will bring up something that is on regular television on. YouTube or whatever. And I'm like yelling like that is podcast interview style reporting. That's not like the formal Diane Sawyer stuff that we saw in the late nineties. Like, like that is that that person just gave their opinion while interviewing. Like that's podcast style. Like, I feel like I already see it and I'm able to notice it because we're removed from that normal television world, but yeah, it'll, it'll be fascinating. So I hope that, There's people listening or watching this right now who are inspired to start their own podcast and get in the game because there's always room for people to use it as a platform to be authentic and to connect with other people and to share their own story. And that really does make a difference uh, for a lot of people, you know?
0: Our our newest member of the Cab Network, uh, The Mechanism, with Davy Johnston and Ash, and Davey had called me. I don't, rem- I don't remember if it was after he guest hosted on Cab like you're doing today. And he said uh, he's got this amazing Yorkshire accent. He said, should I start a podcast, DJ? And I said, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you're a brilliant speaker, thinker. Um, And he- I said, all you got to do, find a co-host. Find someone you can vibe with. And, I mean, here's a guy who's a... He ensures uh, environmental uh, compliance with his companies. uh, Who they who they do business with? He he works for a big international company, and he's a a cycling coach and a yoga teacher. And he finds a counterterrorism police officer in the UK who loves the phenomenon, and they just gelled, and boom, and they have it. He said, "Is there room for for me and UFO?" You don't. I said, "No, there's never too many, because someone you guys are going to resonate with someone." and And they're gonna to want to hear you and whomever your co-host ends up being. And I'm so happy that we have them. Uh, and if we can help them get a couple of listeners, all the better. So um anyway, um, Kelly, do you have any topics that you think that you'd like to hear uh, voices respond to before we get out of here? We can kind of go around and do like a final
4: yeah. I mean, speaking sure. of curiosity and excitement, I would love to just hear from you guys about what you're excited about right now. Like what, what new thing are you reading or new idea? Are you, you know, wrestling with, or I'd, even if it's outside of this whole UFO world, I'd love to just know what you're excited about right now.
0: Well, I know like Bigfoot is really, really quiet right now. Matt and I were lamenting that fact today. There's until uh, the, the NC state study is done with the DNA samples. They're compiling. That could be a breakthrough Darby or could, uh, who Matt had on. Um, so in terms of Bigfoot, that, that will be awesome if he gets a sample and is able to get to the mitochondrial level and all that kind of stuff and figure out, Hey, this isn't something that we've seen before. Uh, but yeah, right now I'm kind of focused on, uh, just earlier, you know, the fact that, uh, uh, there was some legal mechanism that may, that was, uh, that, that caused David Grush to not be able to talk for a period of time, apparently George and Jeremy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of going to start digging into that tomorrow when I have time and see if I can find out what legal mechanism. But more than likely, it is the DOD, someone in the DOD infrastructure contacting the ICIG, who has his portfolio right now, of and telling them to contact Chuck McCullough to tell David to stand down for whatever that one week time period is. I'm curious because we won't probably ever find out. I shouldn't say ever. We probably won't find out what, but I'd like to know, or why, but what that mechanism is that they used. Um, And uh, yeah. And for me, I'm just kind of excited uh, to see uh, the next uh, group of um, let's call them whistleblowers to come forward that will support uh, what he said Uh, in even if it's in closed session and we just get reports that there was a closed session and that um, information uh, was uh, revealed that buttressed what he said, that would be very exciting for me so that he's not hanging out there like a kite in the wind, getting blown around Um,
1: money. Nathan. Yeah. I should try to make a David Grush kite. That'd be (laughs) sweet. It's like a UFO of its own kind. Um, yeah, so I don't know, Kelly, you're an inspiration to me because I, uh, I, you said you write about 15,000 words a week and just think that's incredible. I, I'm really trying to spend more time writing. Um, whether that ends up being a Medium article or a book, I don't know, but I'm trying to put some thoughts uh, down. Um, and outside of that, I, I, I'm i very intrigued by the c- kind of current notion that, that well, some, Darren and I are tackling this, and that's the you know, this um, kind of nexus nature of reality and, and the way in which uh, the phenomena that we, we hear about and, and, and people are sharing with us, et cetera, et cetera, like it, it comes in many different forms, but it intersects with reality in all these different places. Um, it's not one thing, but it, it, it's meaning making, it's meaning generating uh, you know, and it's, it seems to be intimately about who we are and, um, that, and I mean that at, 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 a very personal level, it's like who, who Kelly is, who Nathan is, who DJ is, like, it's about where we are in our own journey. And then you can, it sort of expands out from that as well to, to where we are as a, as a species as a civilization, you know, all these different layers and levels that are interconnected and, I think that that's really. We talked earlier about magic and things like that. Like it's it's just really meaningful. It adds this rich layer of meaning into life. Uh, I think we've atomized life really well. Like we've done a great job of just breaking things down into these tiny little constituent pieces, and we've built incredible technology as a result of that. So kudos to us for cracking that part of the experience. But we've we've kind of uh, placed in time out the the actual you know what it is to live and i think in a way this is reminding us that life happens outside of that reductionist way of looking at the world and and we need that right it's a it's like it's a way for us to wake up and realize that our value isn't in these things you know it's it's happening elsewhere um so i don't know uh, that's that's where I spend most of my time thinking, and it's it you know Kelly, you and I've talked about before. Like it's it's almost less and less about UFOs. It's more and more about you know relationships and meaning, and you know how you live, live your life. And, and I find it funny that a topic that is so strangely stigmatized and you know historically like laughed at. Is leading people to the, these uh, mystical on these mystical journeys of self-discovery and and betterment and all these kind. Of, I mean, to me that that tells me there's something powerful about it. Uh, yeah. If we choose to you know to go there, so I don't know. That, that's where I'm at, at the moment. I love that. I wish.
0: I wish he wouldn't use the word nexus though, because that makes me think about shampoo and conditioner, mm. and it's kind of traumatizing, triggering. About that. Yeah. So just like some other word that's you know a synonym of of nexus. Yeah. Uh, Deb, do you <laughs> what's on your mind? Uh, that that what's interesting? That that's what Kelly's asking.
2: Okay, so there's two major things for me, right other now. than me, by the way. So, sorry. <laughs> okay, one is of course the UAP Medical Coalition, which um, I'm a big part of, um, and I spend a lot of time on um, and the fact that we are putting the spotlight on experiencers for the sake of people outside of the UFO community um, to be essentially educated about what's going on. And we're tackling some of the topics that have always been skirted around, but haven't really just been directly addressed, including religious implications. Um, We're actually just talking directly to religious leaders And, you know, prevention and uh, safety issues, um, essentially, we're taking taking it to another level. Um, And it's really exciting to see all the people that are coming and volunteering to help with that um, and all the experiencers that have come forward and have been willing to share so that people will see that we can normalize this conversation Um, So I'm really excited about that, of course, and everything that's happening with that. Um, And I'm also really excited about experimenting with VR because, um, you know, my background is psychology. So experiencing this VR um, simulation environment and the effects that it has on you when you come out of it. And so the thoughts that you have when you're in it and what your brain is doing when you're in that environment is fascinating to me right now.
0: Very cool. Awesome. She, she sure is um, <laughs> Matt.
3: I'm always, you know, brainstorming on new projects and stuff. There's so many different <laughs> avenues that I want to go down. Uh, some of the stuff that is kind of, really getting me recently i mean something that i've been working on for a while is the uh i i guess the connection that exists within people between all the different unexplained phenomenon how uh, you have people that don't necessarily experience one specific thing but they have a lifetime of experiences and all different types of categories for some reason it's almost like once that third eye is open it's just held open forever Uh, I think there's definitely something going on there you know you guys uh, Nathan you have both talked about the connection between people and sort of the I don't know how to explain it Uh, I'm going to use magic (laughs) to explain it the the magical connection between witnesses and experiencers and people who find themselves living a life uh, filled with these encounters and experiences that society can't explain or refuses to accept as existing. Um, it, it's There's something there. And I, and I know that in my lifetime, no, I'm not going to be the one that finds the answers or solves it or anything. But, you know, it, kind of growing up in the Bigfoot world, I'm doing my best to break those walls down and introduce the Bigfoot world to other communities and other, you know, things that are going on that Bigfoot people are experiencing as well and showing that like, hey, there's a whole world of stuff out there, not just this, we're not just that. And you might have a hard time, you know, a, a Bigfoot witness might have a hard time accepting that there's ghosts, for instance. But at one point in time, they would have had a hard time accepting that there was Bigfoot. So I just want people to start paying attention more to the people then the subjects and see if some growth and forward momentum can be built off of that. Uh, so that's kind of, I guess the direction I'm going right now and what's got me most excited is the prospect of new projects and how it will help in those areas.
4: Love that. Yeah. I'm so glad I asked this question.
0: <laughs> is, go, go figure. A great host comes up with a great question. Uh, we're not surprised, uh, but but yeah, we, we would like to bring these communities together, and that's why we're doing episodes on all three genres, and we know that that there are people in the UFO community that won't tune in when we have a Bigfoot guest, and that's okay, but we want to have those conversations, so if the numbers don't add up, then the numbers don't add up. My paycheck stays the same, So, um, but um, let's get uh, M-H-E to the D-O-double-G from L-B-C so much.
5: I am uh, really excited about podcast movement. I'm going to a podcast conference in Denver, Colorado on Monday. And, um, so I'm excited to, um, you know, meet other creators in the space and I always keep an eye out if there's for any like other UFO podcasters there. Um, but so we'll see. So I'm excited about that. And I interviewed, um, Michael Masters, uh, and hit that interview airs on Monday. And so thank y'all for that introduction. I just edited it, um, a few hours ago and, it was just a really neat conversation. You know, a conversation is good when you enjoy it twice, right? You were there. <laughs> yeah. You were there for it. And then you listen back. You're like, man, that was, that was so dope. brilliant that he said that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, so I'm also just really grateful to be able to meet all of you and to be a part of, of this in the way that you've allowed me to, because I really enjoy it a lot.
0: Dig it. Oh, I love um, do you, Kelly, do you want to respond to that before I jump in and run my mouth?
4: No, <laughs> yeah. you run away with that mouth. Go for it. No,
0: that, thank you. It's a pleasure to have you, <laughs> Meredith. I hope this is just the, the first of many when we have you co-hosts and especially when we have a guest that we think will really resonate. And if there's one thing I've learned, there are guests that we've had on that we're, we're I, again, we're, like, we know when we have you on, we kind of know what we're going to get. You know, we know it's going to be great. But we've had some others on where we're not too sure, but they, they have a genre. You know, we had that husband and wife paranormal uh, that, that uh, work in the LBL up there in, in Kentucky, the land between the lakes, um, Joe and Jesse. And and all of a sudden, and Joe looks like a rough customer in in the, in the beautiful biopic that they sent us. And then he's like, "Yeah, I have a degree in anthropology and stuff like that." And they were super interesting. So um, we've just made so many friends, and I think you you know you've alluded to that several times tonight. And that's really a lot of what it's about. That's what you're going to be left with when it's over. You know, you're probably not going to have a Logan Paul style bank account uh, or buy a seven point four million dollar <laughs> house, but what you will have is have made a lot of, you know what I mean? I mean, that's the reality. I mean, a, you're probably not going to get that kind of wealth out of this. But what you will have is an, an a life-enriching experience, having met a lot of people, as you said, that come from very different walks of life and, and a lifelong friendship. And I'll tell you what, the money just doesn't make up for, for that. It, it really doesn't. You know, I mean, as long as you've yeah. found a way to keep yourself afloat, whether that's through how whatever those means are, that's great. But these friendships, uh, uh, that feeling that you get from that of of all these new friendships, I think is invaluable. Um,
4: yeah. Kelly, you said at the, the real seven million dollar house is the friends we made along the way. They say
0: say say that again.
4: <laughs> the real seven million dollar house is the friends we yes. made along the way.
0: Yes. <laughs>
3: I, yes, I would I just like to point out that I would still be friends with everybody if I was rich, though.
0: <laughs> Me too. I hope you'd invite us over. Just, just <laughs> putting it out there. Absolutely. I was just shocked watching that documentary that uh, Logan Paul was able to buy that at 18 years old. Uh, but, you know, uh, congratulations to his brother. Congratulations to Sean Ryan. I went and sent him a note and just said, man, you know, uh, from one you know, retired military cat to another, you are an outstanding interviewer and listener. And, and that is that is a skill. I don't know if he just had that or he developed that, but um, he, he, deserves, he deserves every bit of that. Um, so last question from me is um, things, uh, I wrote this down and you said in the beginning, relative to your life, things uh, will turn out as they're supposed to. And um, I was really glad to hear you say that if, you know, if I can uh, internalize that for myself, I won't say metabolize. All right, Nathan, I'll say digest. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But um, with with regard to the topic um, and the disclosure movement, will things turn out like they're supposed to?
4: Yeah, I really think that they will. Like I, it's not that I don't get anxiety over it or that I don't worry sometimes, but um, there's a magic to this moment of what's happening right now. and um, I never try to push my beliefs on anyone else, but I I believe that in some sense, we all chose this moment to be here and for to be here while this was happening. And, uh, yeah, I I think it's all gonna turn out the way it's supposed to. Once again, it might not be exactly the way that we want, you know, it, we may not get, every answer it may not go exactly the way that we would want it to if we were in charge of control it ourselves but you know the human story marches on and this is just another chapter and uh we are as a human family going to learn the lessons or not from this that we need to learn or we won't and uh the good news is we'll probably get another shot at it if we don't blow ourselves up or destroy the planet entirely but um Yeah. I I think it's all going to be okay, guys. Like I really, I really do. There's this book that I'm a huge fan of called the fourth turning. And uh, it's um, basically these guys who were doing this big generational study. They wanted to write about all the like generations um, from basically the start of the United States until now. And what they found was that these generations repeat like every, like there's a set of four kind of archetypal generations who wow. have very similar characteristics and that go through kind of the same progression. It's the hero's journey again. Right. And the point that we're in right now, it's called the fourth turning because each of these phases that last about 20 to 30 years, as they call a turning. And we're in the crisis right now. Surprise. I'm sure everyone's very surprised to hear that. And um, <laughs> according to them, if, if history continues to repeat itself the way that it has, we've got about another 10 years of this. But on the other side of the crisis, there is a time when you were basically going to have the 1950s again. There's a time where, you know, people have spent so much time going in different directions and fighting each other that suddenly, you know, a crisis comes and it brings people back together. And suddenly they start to value the collective and, you know, and want to contribute to that. And, And that's when, you know, the great institutions are built and that's when progress is made and when the American dream is reborn. And, and I think that that's coming for us and it, it feels very dark right now. And like, things are just going to keep devolving forever, but I really don't think that's the case. History tells us that these dark nights don't last and eventually the dawn does come. And I think, I think it's all going to, I think it's all going to be okay. I really do.
0: I want to come out with this is the dawning of the age of, oh, of Aquarius. Sorry, yeah, nobody it. here from the '60s, but it's I really. I'm you know, speaking
4: to you. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm a woods. I I am a closet Woodstock historian. I can tell you almost anything about that event. Sadly. Um, That (laughs) that's one of the few things I have knowledge on. But Nathan and I have often talked about it. Wouldn't it be interesting if this was the bridge topic that brought our political leaders together, which could then result in America coming together and not being so divided as we are? And and um, I would pray for that. Uh, Let's go with cabbie goodbyes. Starting with unless unless someone has a burning um, parting shot, let's start with cabbie goodbye. Starting with Miss Edwards.
4: Um, i
5: had a lovely time and um i'm really looking forward to going down the rabbit hole of your uh podcast kelly i i love that it's like the uh what'd you call it the on-ramp to ufo culture and i think that's so cool i'm like yes that's a needed thing and so i look forward to 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 digging into that more so thank you and it was awesome meeting
0: you
4: it was wonderful to meet you, and I can't wait to check out your podcast, and I, I'm sure we'll get to chat again. I'm looking forward to it.
0: I think so, too. Yes, you guys need a solo episode. Just saying, you two uh, need a solo episode. <laughs> just just you two. Um, and Nathan, I know that you have copyrighted the word on-ramp and off-ramp, but Meredith wasn't informed. <laughs> uh, Matt, <laughs> go with your Gabby's goodbyes.
3: <laughs> it has been an absolute pleasure and delight speaking with you, Kelly, and all of you this evening, it has put new meaning behind my life and truly shed light on all the shadows that were surrounding me.
0: Oh, I love that. I just said that and to mess you.
3: with DJ, but I i really did enjoy it. Uh, I knew I was going to enjoy it coming into it. Uh, yeah, hit me up on Twitter, girl.
4: Yeah, thanks <coughs> for telling me Bigfoot stories. i was. Of
0: highlight of this for me. So thank you. <laughs> uh, it I, One of the best parts of the week is getting to talk to Matt and just digging in deeper where I thought like he's told me everything and, and then he'll like, okay, I'm going to tell you about this one, you know, after I dig enough. So, uh, but Deb's a uh, go, go ahead, ma'am.
2: Yeah. I just wanted to take a moment to say um, all the work that we do, we definitely stand on the shoulders of giants Um, all of us. And today we learned that we had lost one of those giants. Lee Spiegel passed away yesterday. Um, And I just wanted to take a moment to appreciate the work that he has had done for decades. Um, He was actually a friend to many people in the community and Um, really very helpful with providing information to people at times and to put a lot of effort into the things that we're now taking on the mantle of. Um, So I just wanted to mention Lee before I say goodbye to Kelly. Um, And, you know, thank you, Kelly, for being part of the future of this topic. Um, I think that's what we are doing right now shoulder to shoulder, almost literally, you know, we're, we're taking this to the next um, level and um, educating people and guiding um, each other through the confusion and the mystery. And you do it in an excellent way and you do it in a warm way. And um, as Meredith said, in an authentic way, and we appreciate that. So thank you.
4: Oh, thank you, Deb. I appreciate you so much and all the work that you do. And I'm just glad to know you. And thanks for, thanks for, yeah. Thanks for being a friend girl.
0: Thank you for being a friend. Money Nathan. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: uh you know, it's, it's every once in a while, we see folks on social media who have been doing this for a long time and they'll make some, make some comment. I've seen it all before. And we're doing this, you know, we've, <laughs> I've been around this carousel, and I've seen it all before. And to some degree, they're right. You know, they're right, but it, it won't. It, at some point, it won't be the same. And uh, Kelly, you're a big part of where we are moving. And um, I appreciate your voice. Appreciate the seriousness with which you treat the topic. Um, how much dedication you put into your show—they're uh, so well crafted. I mean, Just—it's incredible what you do. that you do it so consistently that's really hard people don't understand you know we've got this show we we do shows but it's hard to do them over and over again you know eventually you kind of feel like all right how do I change this or you know is it getting stale how do I keep it going but you know you're doing just an incredible job it's only getting better with age uh, and that's the sign of a a truly great product so uh, Kelly thank you so much and I look forward to watching where it goes and being hopefully as close to the front line uh, you know, for this show as possible. So, oh,
4: Nathan, and, and thank you so much. You're the sweetest. I appreciate you so much and your voice in the community and yeah, you're just the best.
0: I was going to say, Nathan, uh, you know, in sports radio, cause I grew up listening to radio from the mid eighties on, and, uh, they'd say, you know, they, oh, I could do what the sports, uh, show does. And they, and they'd say, everybody's got three hours in them see if you can do that five days a week if you could find things to talk about when nothing's happening and make it interesting and entertaining so and to uh piggyback off of that uh, kelly i'm really glad that i at least got to to meet you in new york you know we didn't end up in the same dinner location i don't believe but uh but i did get to uh come and meet you and then have seen and listen to your work and you're an amazing intellect um, for the community and someone who puts so much thought into the things that she says and crafts it in such a way that people can digest it. Nathan, I didn't say, <laughs> <laughs> that way. Um, which is, is, and you can see, we don't have any fun on the show. There's no laughing. <laughs> uh, there's no <laughs> clapping. Okay. This is serious talk now. Very okay? serious but uh but yeah you do that in a way where it can be very instructive for people that um are brand new to the topic or people that think that they have it figured out because i think as uh one of the panels said you know we're just not no, nobody's got it all figured out i mean it just doesn't matter i think it was nathan um no matter how long they've been around but um so it from that standpoint uh knowing um how talented that you are at this and that you're obviously working on another book and you will put another book out, I think, right. That's going to happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that'll happen. And, uh, I'm sure it's going to be great. Like the last book was, and, uh, I'm honored that you would come and spend time with us. So thank you so much. Yeah.
4: Oh my gosh, DJ. Thank you so much. I appreciate, I appreciate all of you guys so much. And it means so much to me. I really think that what you've created here is so special. Um, I've said this to other people. And so I should really say it to you. I try not to say nice things about people behind their back and not eventually say it to their face, but, um, <laughs> but I really feel like what you guys have created here, it feels sort of like the living room of UFO Twitter in like the best way, you know, like it feels, it feels like the the house with the cool mom and the good snacks uh, where everybody <laughs> <laughs> comes to gather Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a delight to listen to. And I love putting you guys on sometimes and just listening. And, um, I love the heart that you bring to this and the authenticity and just, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And you guys are creating something so wonderful for this community. And I'm just grateful to all of you. I'm grateful to know you and I hope to know all of you better in the future.
0: We will, we'll get together. I hope we still get to do that Ohio thing. Right. And, uh, and Nathan will, and I will come up there and cut it up with you. Uh,
4: so. Heck yeah. It's going to happen at some point. If not, maybe next spring. I'm working on it. We're thinking about it.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Alright. So uh, for Meredith, for Matt, for Debs, for Nathan, and for our guest of honor who I hope is going to come on for a part two, Kelly. This is DJ saying peace out. One love. We'll see you down the road. And we're always wondering what's up around the bend.